Welcome to the Andrei Shkiel podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with Alex. Alex is a strength and conditioning coach and a weightlifting coach, and we're going to find out more about him. And we're going to discuss a few things related to fitness industry because we all know not everything we see is the truth. So we're going to get in more details about that. So uh, I am a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I probably also describe myself as a weightlifting coach. Um, so I tend to work with athletes to get them faster, stronger, to get them performing better at the sport. Um, but I also love the sport of Olympic weightlifting. So things like snatch, clean and jerk. So I help people just improve at that. That's that's me in a nutshell, really. A really simplified nutshell, but that's that's pretty much it. How did you manage to get your work done with this COVID situation? Because obviously, from your perspective, it's much harder from my than my one. Because obviously, for me right now, it's more about body composition. So I, you kind of get those things for nutrition and training through the online platform. But when we talk about strength and conditioning, weightlifting... In a lot of cases, you actually have to be there because there are so many technical yeah, points. So how do you manage from that? From a coaching perspective anyway. Um, so ideally, from a distance remote coaching standpoint, what we do is I get people to submit videos for form feedback, and that can work pretty well. Um, it's not it's not quite the same as maybe being having someone stood right in front of you to get that immediate kind of coaching feedback. But if you can submit something and get a decent response time, it's, it's a good way of working through that. The issue we've had is like, you know, UK-based gyms have just been shut full stop. So uh, a lot of people really haven't been able to like use the weightlifting movements or to do a lot of the heavy strength work. So a lot of my clients right now are running like really like GPP, just like general physical preparedness blocks. So they're getting better at push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, runs, um, sprints, jumps, all the stuff that goes into building a well-rounded athlete, but might not be as specific to the sport of weightlifting. Yeah, I was thinking about it right now because obviously... It's even very hard to replicate those movements at home. Like, first, obviously, you can get a bar and some plates, but where are you gonna do it in your living room? Exactly. That's that's actually I me. Mean, I've I've been lifting in my kitchen. I've got a barbell um, and bumper plate set. I've got all my weights. I've got my squat rack. I've got all of that. But exactly the same problem. Like, if I want to do like a heavy clean and jerk session, the like, I, I like my weights have to top out at what I can control down. And I can't be like aggressively repositioning my feet because I'll smash the floor to pieces. I can't be dropping the bar. So essentially everything has to be done with a really controlled eccentric. Um, so yes, it's incredibly hard trying to train at home for anything specific to weightlifting. That should look pretty interesting as well. Just waking up in the morning and getting in the kitchen and seeing you doing some snatches and trying to get my <laughs> coffee done. <laughs> yeah i know my, my poor wife she uh she's very like understanding but yeah when she's like trying to get lunch or grab breakfast and i'm just like lifting and squatting and i've got blaring like metal and that kind of stuff just like blaring out of the room and she's just waking up she's not loving it but um she's really she's understanding she's she's a good sport for today me and alex we decided to discuss about a few videos which we found for social media um, the thing is with social media, we get so much good information out there and sometimes we don't get such a good level of information and maybe uh, it gets us more confused than it should be. Um, so we decided to go for a few videos which we found together online and methods of training as well and see what is all about them, what's the validity of using them, what's not that great about using them. And obviously the first thing which we want to discuss is a video in which we have a 73 years old male which is doing some box jumps and um, this was posted um, on the profile of a therapist 
physical therapist and some people started to contradict about the actual reason for why that physiotherapist might want to do that because obviously if you think about 73 years old doing box jumps honestly type of person that you'll just probably try to help with shopping if you see them uh, doing their groceries so i wanted to ask you alex did you see the video yes i've seen the video and Matt, i totally get what you mean as well <laughs> like your average 73 year old you're not thinking they're gonna be uh doing box jumps and like plyometric explosive type movements so it's, it's quite interesting to see the first comment which was there is uh coming from a personal trainer as well and i just quoted word by word i have it in my notes here it says what is the purpose of him doing that is he playing power sports i don't know what the the, the pt wanted to say by playing power sports <laughs> doesn't sound the greatest method of putting words into a sentence but definitely not good for his joints what do you think about his statement? Okay, um, I think that, yeah, I think the PT in that one, I think what they've done is maybe oversimplified it a little bit. So to say that plyometric activities aren't good for your joints is a bit of a misnomer. So plyometric activities are really high impact for the joints, right? We know that. We know that plyometric activities put a lot of stress through the joints, but stress isn't of itself a bad thing. Like stress is what allows muscles to grow stronger. It's what allows joints to grow stronger, connective tissues to grow stronger. So it could theoretically be a good thing. I think a lot of it is about, well, how much stress are we applying? Like how stressful are those plyometrics for that person? Yeah, stress is about adaptability. So obviously, if you get that stress level to such a high extent that you're not going to be able to adapt from it, that's where the problems start to appear. But as long as it is within the good reasons, is what we actually want out of every session that we do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And like you look at that... So, I mean, you've seen a video, right? So you watch, you, you look at the person and they're not doing them badly, you know? They're not falling about all over the place. It's not like these, you know, box jump fail videos you see online. Like, they look, they, you know, the jumps are good. They're controlled. The landings are controlled. They look, like, fairly soft. They're not smashing through the ground. So, they're, like, I think all in all, it's, it's they're pretty decent box jumps. So, I'm, I'd go out on a limb and say that that person, that 73-year-old, has probably been doing plyometrics and probably been building up to that for quite a long time. Yeah exactly is about background first thing probably he's not been a sedentary person all his life and one day decided yeah i'm gonna get some plyometrics some box jumps done today everything is related to the context isn't it and um if i would be to choose between a 73 years old who's doing box jumps and someone else who's been maybe more sedentary and they spend their life sitting i would rather just go for the box jumps that's where I would like to be when I'm 73 years old, if I'm going to manage to get there, obviously. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. given the choice of the two, you're going to be the one doing the box jumps, right? 100%. 100%. Now, what else do you think that it has to be considered within this scenario? Because obviously, that is is a very limited context anyway. People saying that it's not um, good for their joints. It might not be safe because obviously there is a risk to fall maybe is there anything else that you think that there might have been done in this situation just to improve the overall efficiency of the exercise yeah i mean as, as you say we're only seeing one microcosm we're seeing one small video we don't really know the context of their broader training um maybe maybe if i'd have been programming that for an athlete had i been there i might have just been stood closer to the athlete so if they did happen to fall over i could maybe like try and catch them or stop them falling on their ass perhaps but um for the most part i think if that athlete's built up to it over months and months if they've done other easier jumps if they've got a good strength base if they've got good body awareness 
then it's a safe and effective exercise choice. So I've got no issues with it. I'd probably just be standing close so I could catch them just in case. Yeah, false is a big element, especially when we get older. That's why I've been reading lately. One of the most important aspects when you get to disability uh, within older uh, population, because that's what happens a lot of, in a lot of the cases. Obviously, you are barely walking, you walk and you fall down and that gets... Uh, to other issues such as fractures and obviously that gets you more sedentary at the end and there is like a domino effect and in this case obviously a fall is highly likely because it's not like someone <laughs> is sitting on a sofa you could probably fall down but in the same time in the same time being able to do those plyometric jumps would probably allow you to land in a different way if there would be the case to to fall for example that's it, isn't so. it? You know, it's it's that you're. It's it's probably a riskier activity. Yeah, you're right. It's a riskier activity than being sat on your ass, just sat on the sofa doing nothing. But at the same time, like if you do the plyometrics effectively and safely over time, then you're going to be so much stronger, and you might be able to prevent falls, to prevent that kind of stuff, to increase your quality of life. Um, overall, I think I think the balance is worth it. I think that sort of injury risk reward is worth it for certain people. For most 73-year-olds, if you've been sedentary for 20 years, I probably wouldn't recommend doing box jumps or any explosive movements anytime soon. But, you know, for, for most people, like doing some kind of basic strength training or something that's going to strengthen their body and prevent falls is, I think, a really solid idea. People which actually listen to this, uh, the most important thing which you have to consider is that is about what they have been doing previous. And obviously, if you want to build that to that level, you can't spend your life sitting all day and expect you to have that quality of life when you reach 73 years old because obviously my goals at the moment are to improve the quality of life of people because what the research so shows as well is that we tend to live longer because evolution in regards to medicine we are able to live longer but our quality of life has to suffer a lot along the way because we live longer but the quality is still not there and in my opinion that's what you want when you talk about quality of life, being able to move like that when you are 73 years old. And that doesn't come overnight. That comes with consistency and being able to be active for a long period of time before that. 100% agreed. And like you've got to factor that in, haven't you? Like that quality of life. If you look at the difference between a 75 or an 85-year-old that's been training for the last 20 years or, you know, a 75, 85-year-old that's been sat around for the last 20, 30 years, it's night and day, you know. You see videos online of people uh, lifting weights and squatting. Just the other day, I saw a video of, uh, like, a 78-year-old squatting double body weight. Squatting double body weight, body weight at 78 years old, that's phenomenal, you know. You think a lot of 78-year-olds struggle to get up and down out of a chair, and this, this dude's, like, squatting double the body weight, you know. You see videos of saw a video of a 90-year-old sprinting, doing a 100-meter sprint. Um, and don't get me wrong, he's not going to be beating Usain Bolt anytime soon. But if you compare that to someone that you know can barely get up out of a chair or can barely walk, it's a night and day difference. Uh, it's hugely important. Yeah, it's about the way you want to live your life. And a lot of people don't see that fine line. And they think that all those elements that we maybe promote right now, they don't see the value of it. But in long term, there is definitely so much to take out of it. And that, that video which, by the way, if everyone wants to see it, uh, just get into contact. It just shows what it's all about. That's it. End of story. End of story. Boom. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs>
Anything else that you want to add to this uh, this scenario, this um, specific video? You know, I think I think we've covered that pretty nicely. I think that's that's everything I would want to say. That's the perfect note to leave it on. You know, like uh, just just if in doubt, just build up over time um, and build towards it, and just think about the individual person's situation rather than you know assuming where they're at. I think that's that's a really good message. Think about the fact that social media doesn't show you the full picture. Okay, it's just one small side of it and. Even us, we are just debating it and talk about it. But even us, we don't have much information about it anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've, we've no idea. You know, we don't know the entire context of that training program. For all we know, that person, it could be their second session in the gym and the trainer just got really lucky, you know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty interesting scenario, wouldn't it? Oh, man, that'd be hilarious. Second topic and the one which is about a type of training method. So is more about... The principles behind is about 90 degrees eccentric isometric method of training. So this type of training is promoted by a very specific individual, which is very popular out there on social media. And he's training a lot of people. And um, just by thinking about this method, eccentric isometric method of training with 90 degrees, is sounds very complex. I get myself lost in all the words but let's just take it step by step eccentric is the part of the muscle action where the muscle is lengthening isometric is the part of an uh, let's say exercise in which you keep a muscle at a specific length but there is still tension going for that muscle so the, the muscle is not moving uh, and 90 degrees just says about the range 90 degrees just mentions the range of movement of the whole exercise. So obviously, um, if you think about each aspect of the movement will be eccentric. So basically you try to, during the squat, you'll be going lower, isometric, you stop there for a couple of seconds. And because it's 90 degrees, you'll stop probably at 90 degrees of knee flexion. So you don't go below that. What do you think about this method of training? Well, this is it's such a loaded question, isn't it? Because um, we know the guy we're talking about, Mr. Joel Seedman. You know, screw it, I'm going to name him. He's an absolute garbage human being. But um, <laughs> so they, I'm not going to hide my thoughts on this one. So like eccentric training and isometric are all terms that we're familiar with and that we know when we use. And they can be a good component of training, you know, like um, as a strength and conditioning coach, I'll frequently use eccentrics and isometrics as part of some an athlete's training program but it might be 10 to 15% of the athlete's total training volume. It won't be every single thing they do is an eccentric or isometric. Um, and I certainly won't have them all doing it at 90 degrees because it doesn't make any sense because every single different movement and muscle, I mean, like every different movement that we do biomechanically has a very different profile. So just arbitrarily choosing a 90 degree angle to hold an isometric at, it doesn't make sense. It's going to be a very different stimulus per muscle group, per joint action. It's... um. It's just like arbitrarily chosen and somewhat random. And I don't think the literature really supports it. So um, you, you've got me started now. I'm just going to like go off on a rant. <laughs> it's so bad. It's very hard from our perspective to try to analyze it because we have so much, I don't know, information about it. We know that every athlete is one person, is individual. And just thinking about the fact that you try to use one type of training method with all the athletes, that's just... Uh, makes ourselves to to ask some questions like why would that be because everyone is in is different everyone would need different things uh, within their sport or even if we talk about bodybuilding uh, if you talk about bodybuilding obviously 
90 degrees is not is not something you want to to get involved into because you're missing on those extra range of movement where the muscle is under tension and the joint is under tension as well because if the joint is not going to get that full range of movement you potentially going to lose that ability to move that joint in a specific way over a long period of time and just think about it I was trying to figure out how would that look in a in a football scenario yeah just asking a football player to do a squat to 90 degrees and let's say that during a football game they fall and they get below 90 degrees what do they need to do in that type of scenario? Because they they never been there before. So what are they gonna do? <laughs> you know, That's it, isn't it? You're um you're not they, so it's, it's there's there's drawbacks like you're not getting them used to positions that could be unfamiliar, and you hit the nail on the head with like it's specific to the athlete. I don't understand how like this idea of generalized training prescriptions for every different athlete is it's like it's the phrase you know if all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail. And I think that that becomes the problem. You start to say, well, this person needs this. I'll just give them the same thing to everyone. It'll work for everyone. And it doesn't. Like, if I think about strength and power sports, maybe shot put or discus, hammer throw, sprinters, weightlifters, the fundamental thing that they need to train is rate of force production. They need to be trained their ability to produce force quickly, to move, like, to, to use that explosive, concentric type of movement. Um, and if you're, for the most part, cutting that out by doing loads of slow holds and eccentrics and, like, slow lowering movements... You're just training completely the wrong kind of uh, skill set. Just to show his perspective as well, <clears throat> basically he thinks that if you're not going to get the athlete below 90 degrees, you maintain them in a very powerful and strong position. Because if you think about that way, as soon as you go below 90 degrees, obviously you have to think about the strength profile of the movement and even if you are in a squat you are highly likely to fail when you are all the way down below 90 degrees and um, that makes sense from that perspective that's where you might be losing some of your strength it's just it's like a misapplication of a lot of so this is what i tend to find with a lot of um joel's posts is like they're all buried like the point is like just buried under so many he references like 10 to 20 articles or pieces of scientific literature on each post um but the problem is that the literature he references doesn't actually link to the point he's trying to make like it doesn't back it up or he's not properly read it and it's misapplied so it's like he's taking ideas and sort of warping them in his brain to what he thinks they mean without actually reading them and looking at them um and this is just it becomes really obvious when he talks to someone that actually knows what they're talking about that he doesn't know what he's talking about, if that makes sense. We both saw the video, the podcast with him and the rugby strength coach, which by his name, his Kier Wenham Flats, hope I pronounced that right. They had a pretty interesting debate and they made this guy to look so bad. And I enjoyed that video so much because of that. Uh, and it's awful because a lot of us have to go through a lot of research before doing a program or just finding a solution for a specific individual client. And this guy comes up and we, he has a very simplistic method of designing training programs in regards to the method of training. And it's, from one side, it's, it's very nice for him because he has less time to consume to design his stuff and is promoted more and is very simplistic and you'd think what the fuck is happening here because for me it takes so much time to write a program and people tell me all the time why you're so negative about other other people's stuff maybe I should just see my own stuff and just go on <laughs> with that but when you when you just 
compare those two scenarios. And this guy has a PhD as well. How the fuck did he manage to finish a PhD? Man, that's exactly what that's exactly what I was thinking. Like he's got a PhD to his name, um, which sort of I think when you see that you expect a certain standard of academic rigor and of sort of um, intellectual thought behind a person's processes and ideas. Um, so when they go on a podcast and they're, you know, referencing N equals one, like, you know, oh, I know someone that did this, so this must work. Or, or here's a case study that I think is right. Or, you know, or I did this and I don't, you know, he even says in the podcast, like, you know, I don't really need to look at the literature. This is just something I've done with my athletes and it works. And it's like, that's, that's not the kind of uh, academic rigor and scientific sort of um, evidence-based practice you would expect from someone with a PhD. That's the kind of thing you'd expect from someone that has got like a basic qualification in the industry and is just blagging it. It doesn't really make much sense before social media i was all the time making an opinion about a person depending on on their title depending on their st status so if someone would have a phd i would be like all right we need to listen what to what this guy is gonna say but seeing some such a high diversity of people on social media some with phd some some others with no qualifications at all and just being amazing in what they're doing i just changed my mind completely about the whole subject that's the, that's the problem isn't it because for the most part that should be that should be something you can rely on like if someone has a master's degree or a phd that should be a way for you to go yes i can trust that person they're more reliable and i do think on balance that if someone has those qualifications they are likely to be more knowledgeable and to talk you know in on, on a better, at a better level about a subject but you're right, like on social media, it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. So you still have to be a little, a little skeptical, a little critical of what you're watching. First time when I got into his profile, so PhD, whoa, let, let, let's follow this guy. <laughs> and after a few posts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's maybe do a bit of more research. Let's see what is he talking about. <laughs> it's, it's like a bizarre clown circus. I've seen stuff on his uh, Instagram where he's got guys like, doing a sort of half bicep curl, half squat thing. And it's like, well, if the weights, like, like if you if it's a weight that you can bicep curl, it's nowhere near heavy enough to be stimulative for your legs, as any halfway decent coach will tell you. Um, and if it's decent enough to be stimulative for your legs, you're never going to be able to bicep curl it, because I don't know about you, but I can't bicep curl 200 kilos. Like, there's, I don't, maybe, maybe there's some freak of nature that can, but the two exercises don't, they shouldn't be paired together. They don't work together. Um, it's a kind of thing that he sort of tries to, shape together in some bizarre way um I, I can't make heads or tails of it it just doesn't this the work that he does doesn't follow any of the established principles of um sport and exercise science even though it doesn't follow anything to be honest if you look when you look into his profile it just looks good it looks very good he, he he's got the movement flow he just tells you what he's doing he gives you a reasoning behind uh, and when you see all the posts you you think okay, this guy knows something that other people don't know because he's doing something different. His videos look pretty good. And to an extent, yeah, I mean, movements are not all the time enjoyable when watching. It's just about what you want to get out of it. If you That's why you want to get out of it, just to get a lot of likes on social media. Obviously, you'd make something a bit more complicated. You'd add two movements, three movements together. You'll make them flow. Uh, if you put uh, a song on the background, it looks like you're <laughs> dancing as well. So you you get everything together. Yeah, it's, that's that's it, isn't it? You know, it's like edit it, make it look nice, make it look sexy, and uh, I think it just appeals to a certain kind of person as well. You know, because the reality is, once you know a certain amount about strength and conditioning and sports therapy and physiotherapy, like you know that certain principles apply, 
and you know that certain things work, but those things aren't always the most exciting. You know, who wants to watch a video of someone squatting to depth for another set of eight for the third time in the week? Like, it's not that exciting to watch, is it? You know, I'm going to do another set of two power cleans. Great, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But if someone's doing a eccentric, isometric, 90 degree ab wheel rollout, instability band vibration method, like how sexy does that sound? You know, that's going to draw views in. So um, I think it, it, it does appeal to that kind of like that. It, it makes it seem more interesting, but it massively just reduces the effectiveness. I think he got everything the other way around. So when you talk about principles of training, he's too simplistic. And when you talk about exercise selection, he's too com com complicated. <laughs> so just the other way around, man. Yes, exactly. Just change them and you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he just completely reverses what he does, then he'll be bang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, I enjoy this. <laughs> just ranting, just sh shitting on uh, Joel Seaman. Yeah, we can, I can do this all day. <laughs> So at the end of the day is a method of training, a method of training which is highly used by a lot of people out there but is highly dependent on the scenario as well. So eccentric is a very nice way of training a muscle. Isometric is a very nice way of training the muscle. 90 degrees is a potential way of training the muscle when there is decreased range of movement within a specific joint after an injury, um, potentially. But just using the same method for everyone, that's uh, definitely a no for us. It's, it's a no for us, yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, moving into the third video. The third video is for uh, a profile which is doing a lot of rehabilitation uh, stuff, mobility exercises, and they have a lot of followers. And the interesting part is that they had recently a video for which they simply decide if someone should squat or someone shouldn't squat. And again, it's uh, very simplistic and in 40 seconds they tell you if yeah you should go for a squat or you shouldn't and in the video there is one person who is in a cat cow position so the cat cow exercise is where you keep your hands into the ground you are kneeling as well and um, basically he's trying to reach his heel with his bum without having any flexion extension within the lumbar spine and without getting any pelvic tilt what do you think about this? Did you try this exercise? Uh, yeah, I did. I saw the video and I gave it a go. So um, on the video as well, they've got like this bottle on the person's lower back, haven't they? And they're trying to see if the bottle will balance or fall off. Well, uh, I am a weightlifter, so I have incredibly meaty spinal erectors, like the muscles either side of your spine, um, especially towards like my mid and lower back. So I could barely get the bottle to stay still and on my back when I was uh, not moving at all. So uh, that was my initial confusion um so i think honestly a lot of weightlifters and powerlifters and like string sport athletes would probably have a similar issue um so the test loses some validity for me there um before i'd even before i'd even begun to be honest uh they will get back to you and they will say you know we're sorry this is for general population is not for weightlifters what do you tell them in that case <laughs> <laughs> well i'd be like um I guess if it's for general population, maybe that's a little different. But, I mean, since weightlifters, powerlifters, and strongmen are, the, are your three main groups of people that are going to be squatting, um, it's probably, if you're going to design a test to uh, decide whether you should be squatting or not, it should be valid for the population most likely to be squatting. <laughs> good point, really good point. I'll, I'll start by saying this. I tried it as well. And, interestingly, I managed to maintain the bottle of on my spine during the whole movement uh yeah it was i was surprised but 
that will tell me the other way around, isn't it? So if I Shut obviously up. if I can <laughs> do it, I could potentially squat. And if I'm squatting, I'm shit at squatting. So my squat is so bad. And this guy just told me, yeah, you keep the bottle on your back, get on, do your squats. And because of this guy, if I would be squatting, <laughs> I might just need a physiotherapist. So this is a no for me, <laughs> yeah, man. So you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, haven't you? Like, uh, so the test says that if you pass the if you pass this criteria, you should be safe to squat. But what you've already noticed is that your squat isn't good, but you can pass the test. So the test doesn't it doesn't actually link to the thing it's supposed to be uh, testing or proving, which is an immediate uh, problem. I think you'd come up with there. I guess the issue for me is like. How how do you translate something that's in a sort of stable four-point position to a really dynamic movement where you're stood up and moving up and down like a squat? Um, I'm not sure you're going to have a ton of uh, sort of like carryover between the two things. It's a passive thing for us. So obviously your, your hamstrings are not doing much in that position. He said in the video, you need to stabilize your pelvic so you get your, your glutes firing. What do you mean getting your glutes firing in that position? They, they're not going to be active in that position. So why are you trying to get active? Why are you trying to, to, to be firing? Like doesn't make any <laughs> sense, man. It's just a passive movement. Obviously, it's a mobility-based movement. can be used by a lot of people, but doesn't say much about any other thing than that actual movement. Squats, you want to find out if you're squatting. If you can squat, just squat. Let's see. <laughs> it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Just squat. Why do you create another movement yeah. to find out if you can do a different movement? Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, exactly. And um, I don't know about you, but I really dislike this, like, black and white binary way of sort of looking at, you know, can I do an exercise? It's like either yes or no. You know, I, I either can't do it or I can do it. Well, as we know, like, within sort of sports therapy and physiotherapy and strength and conditioning, exercises all exist on a spectrum of difficulty you know so maybe you, if you can't do a low bar back squat could you do a high bar back squat if you can't do that could you do safely do it maybe a front squat how about a goblet squat you know where you hold a dumbbell in front of you so that's i mean that right there's four variations that you might be able to do so there'll be loads of different ways you can do that yeah the, the thing is on social media probably no one will stay to listen to all those details because people care about their time and they want quick results and obviously is our responsibility to give them answers as fast as possible but just by misleading people that's not going to help them at all because i'm sure summer is out there now and is not doing squats anymore because of that video and that's very sad oh yeah you know the guy i saw the video the video told me i can't squat anymore you know i mean yes I, every time I've squatted before, they've been fine and my legs have grown and I've got stronger, but I watched a 45 second video and now I can't, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a slippery slope, isn't it? You know, you watch a video and it tells you you can't do something and then you watch another video and it says you can't do this. Um, if you listen to all those videos, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to train, you know, you can't do press ups or bench press or overhead press or deadlifts are bad for your back and squats are bad for, it's like, what would you actually do? Would you just go to the gym and just, I don't know, foam roll for an hour? Like, what would you do? <laughs> this video is similar with other ones, which I saw through social media and a lot of people promoting them. Um, there is that video for which you basically stay on your back, lie down, and you try to find out your squat range of movement. So basically you try to bring your knees as high as possible without getting a pelvic tilt. Is that something that you're aware of? The video. Okay, um, not seen it. So are we lying on our back? On our, what are we doing here? Yeah, lying on the back, you try to bring the knees towards the chest while you maintain a stable position with your back 
Ah, okay. Touching I've not floor. seen a video of it, but I can visualize what we're talking about. Yeah, and basically they, they say from one side, one perspective is that you try to find your femur range of movement within the socket. Because obviously if you get the pelvic tilt before going to 90 degrees, you should just limit your range of movement to 90 degrees for safety reasons. And seeing the people which are promoting that, they are very popular people out there. I'm telling you that these people are very important in this industry. And even though from one side of it, it makes sense, okay, let's see how much you can move your your femur within the, the socket. Like, why, again, why do you try to find a test for something that you already have? Like, just, just squat, isn't it? Just squat and find your range of movement. You don't need so many other tests and you make it to look so complicated and people out there will be like, yeah, maybe I'm going to hire this guy because this is very complicated. I need to do so many other tests to find out what I can do and what I can't do. And that's the point where I'm getting crazy because that's not the way it is. Exactly. Like, honestly, you can have all these different tests. You know, you look at someone squatting like, oh, I need to assess ankle mobility and thoracic mobility and hip mobility and all these different things. And, you know, maybe if you're dealing with some long-standing chronic injury that's preventing you, maybe you want, to do, you want to dive into those details. But for the most part, could you not just get your smartphone, set it up at the side, and then watch you squat? And then if everything looks good, and then suddenly you get below 90 degrees, and it looks an absolute mess, and the shambles, and your back's rounding, and your butt's tucking really under, and, like, you're just falling over all over the place. Like, mate, that's, that's pretty obvious that you're not good at squatting beyond that range. So may, maybe just record yourself. Recording yourself is something that changes people's lives. I'm telling you. How many people go to you after you, you told them to record themselves and they were like, fucking hell, I didn't know I moved like this. That's what happens in a oh, lot of cases. Yeah. I, c- I couldn't agree more. Like The amount of times I would have a client or an athlete or someone and get them and be like, look, just, just record yourself. Just take a few minutes, you know, maybe 45 degrees or from the side, see what it looks like. And yeah, the amount of times that there's this... um like dissonance, this disjoint between what they think they're doing in their head and what their body's actually doing is huge. Yeah, I've been through myself as well and I'm going constantly through it because all the time, if you're not aware of it, there are changes which occur in regards to the way you move. I was doing a couple of days ago and it was something I posted on on my story as well. I just said, okay, let's record more videos, just be a bit more active, maybe give to some people some motivation, some ideas of exercises as well. And I was doing some shoulders lateral raises with some dumbbells. And I was looking at myself in the mirror. I couldn't see any difference in the mirror. I was looking at myself in the mirror. Okay, I recorded the video. Once I recorded the video and I look back at the video, one of my shoulders was like this. I was like <laughs> doing lateral raises with with one of my shoulders looking like I was in a spasm. <laughs> uh, that's it. And you don't, you don't tell, like, I think you're, the human body is so good at finding ways to do these little compensations. And, uh, yeah, the amount of times I've done stuff, shoulder, shoulder especially, like overhead press, if I've got, like, you know, one of my traps is maybe a little sore or tight from doing some, like, you know, some weightlifting earlier in a week, like some heavy cleans or something. You know, my wife's often came over and said, do you, do you know, like, you're, like, pressing, like, your, your right trap is, like, an inch higher than your other one, your shoulder's up, and I'm, like, she's, like, you look like a hunchback over there, dude, you gotta sort this out, and I'll, like, I'll watch the, watch the video back, and I'll be, like, ah, oh, she's right, yeah, I'm, I'm looking pretty messed up today, let's, uh, let's go sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that putting this into social media, it helps, because I was at the point where I was very perfectionist with what I was trying to put out there, and the truth is that we, we are normal people, we do a lot of things which we have to maybe adjust and fix. It's not like we are doing everything at the best possible way. Um, 
and there is all the time space for improvement and recording video if there is some message to take home record record yourself <laughs> yes yeah that is that is the take-home message just record yourself get on it simple easy it's cheap it's basically free it's just free you just set up your phone easy immediate feedback yeah just record yourself record yourself so if i would just make a list with uh home messages from this podcast that would be record yourself unfollow joel sidman on instagram <laughs> and that's about it <laughs> solid messages i love it oh yeah and uh do, do, do box jumps as a 73 year old but um you know yeah. maybe only if you've done it before save that video in your phone and whenever you don't want to get your session done whenever you're just sitting down and i'm like i'm not gonna do my training today have a look at that video think that possibly that time would come at some point maybe you will die until you're going to reach that age. That's unfortunate. But let's say hypothetically you'd reach that age. That should be motivating for you. Hella motivating. Hella motivating. Love it.